this is Alex Moore, lead pastor of New Life Community Church in Kansas City, Missouri. Thanks for taking time to listen to this message. For more information or to donate, visit newlifekc.com. We are in our final week of this series, The Bible Doesn't Say That. We've been looking at different phrases, as you heard, that people sometimes attribute to the Bible, but when we look, they're actually not in there. So how many of you guys have heard someone say that you're either getting ready to go into or you're in the middle of or you're just coming out of a difficult season in your life? Anybody ever heard somebody like act like that? Like, hey, you know, you better get ready. It's not really encouraging. It's like either your life's getting ready to be really hard or it is really hard or thank goodness you survived life being hard, right? And so uh, the, here's the thing. That's not in the Bible, but the guy that we like in this place is Jesus, and Jesus did have something to say about difficult times, about hardship. And here's what he said. In John chapter 16, verse 33, he says that in this life, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Mm, that's not much fun. Uh, another translation says it this way, that you will have trouble in this life, that you will experience difficulties. All of us have been there. We've all experienced hard times in our life. And truth be told, we're going to experience more difficult seasons in our life. Today, what I want us to talk about is when we find ourselves in one of those difficult seasons, when we're experiencing trouble or trials or sorrow, sometimes when we're in the middle of that, it can feel like life is almost spinning out of control. Have you, have you felt that before? It's just like, oh my goodness, this is, this is too much. Like, it's, this is overwhelming. I, I feel as though life has dealt me almost more than I can handle. And, and when this happens, it could be maybe a financial burden. If you've ever had financial burdens, you know that it can be all-consuming. How are we going to be able to pay for this? I can't believe we got hit with another Bill, a financial man, have you ever been there and feel like, man, I just don't know if I'm going to survive this? Uh, maybe you got a bad report from the doctor. Maybe it was for you or someone that you loved, and a difficult season is here. Maybe you just realize that all the relationships in your life are somehow broken. Your relationship with your parents isn't what it ought to be. Your relationship with your kids is not what it ought to be. You and maybe your significant other. It just seems like everything's broken. Maybe your job is not as stable today as it once was. Maybe you're battling depression. Maybe as the weather's changed, you've got that seasonal affective disorder going on, and you're like, I do not like that there is no sunlight in my day, and why does it have to be so cold? It, it could be any number of different things, but so often when we are in the middle of a difficult season, it's like we have this weight on us, and it just weighs us down. It, it steals the joy that we would like to have. It steals the energy and the life that we would love to approach life with. We're no longer optimistic. We're just under this. And, and sometimes that weight just feels heavier and heavier. And we maybe never would say it out loud, but inside we're just like, I just, I just don't know if I can take any more of this. And sometimes when we get to that low spot, Sometimes we know in our head, you know, it's good for me not to go through life alone, and we do the thing that we don't want to do. We invite someone in to share in the burden, and we let this person come close, and we let them see the real us, and it's not real pretty, and while we're vulnerable, you know what they have the nerve and audacity to do? 
give us annoying advice. Have you ever done that? You're in this low spot. You're like about to pull your hair out. I just don't know if I can go on anymore. And you invite somebody in and they just give you annoying advice. Like, you know, um, you don't need to worry. Just stop it. You ever had anybody tell you that? (laughs) Just stop it. It's not that bad. You listen. And they say something cheesy like this. Whenever God closes a door, he opens a window. Or they, or they say something like this, you, you know, you don't need to worry about that anymore because God helps those who help themselves. And you're like, what? Are you blaming me for this? Do you think I'm not trying here? Uh, people. Uh, this is one of my favorites. I think I've actually said this to some of you. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. <laughs> hey, no pain, no gain. Hey, hey, just keep calm and carry on. You know, God works in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. Don't you love those pieces of annoying advice? And some of you are like, I've said that before. You were the annoying friend. You can ask forgiveness later. All of these lines are things that we hear people say, but the one that I probably heard Christians say in Christian circles more than anything else, when you are going through a difficult season, this is the line that always comes up. They say to you, don't worry. Hey, 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 don't worry. It's going to be okay. Remember, and here's the line, God will never give you more than you can handle. It's all going to be okay. God won't give you more than you can can handle. And here's the deal. As well-intentioned as that person may be delivering that line of encouragement to you, and as encouraged as you may have felt to hear that line, the truth is, is that that line is almost the exact opposite of the truth. And the Bible doesn't say that. The line I want us to focus on today is that God won't give you more than you can handle. Although kind and well-intended, the truth is almost the opposite of that. Here's the deal. When people say this line, God won't give you more than you can handle, they're trying to remember oftentimes what the Apostle Paul said as a word of encouragement to the church at Corinth, found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. And this really is an awesome passage. Uh, I would have teenagers always memorize this, especially teenage guys. So here's what it is. If you're a teenage guy or you feel like one at heart, this is for you. All right. It says this. It says that no temptation has overtaken you. No temptation has seized you, taken grasp of you, taken hold of you, except what is, everybody say it, common to mankind. You ain't that special. We've all dealt with it before, all right? So you're like, well, you don't know. I know it's common. Jesus said, like, listen. Okay, so no temptation is overtaking you, except what is common to mankind. It goes on to say, and God is faithful. Aren't you glad that he's faithful? He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Now, as I read that verse, some of you might be thinking, I'm Pastor Alex. (laughs) Obviously, that verse says that God won't give you more than you can handle, right? I mean, it says that God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. That sure sounds a whole lot like God won't give you more than you can handle, 
And then some of you, you guys have like those study Bibles that have extra notes in them. And you see that there's a little footnote there. And you're like, what is that footnote? And you're like, oh, yeah, I forgot that the New Testament was originally written in Greek. And we're just translating this into English. Oh, and what does my little footnote say? It says, oh, the word, Greek word for temptation and tempted can also mean testing and tested. Ooh, maybe, maybe, Pastor Alex, you should tell me what to do about that. And I'm so glad that you asked. A few weeks ago, I taught you three things when it comes to biblical interpretation. I'm going to refresh you. This is our refresher course. When it comes to interpreting the Bible, figure out what the Bible really is trying to say. Here's the three things we need to know. Number one, we need to understand the context. We need to understand the context. We want to know not just what the verse says, but what's coming before the verse. What's after the verse? Who wrote the verse? To whom was it written to? What's the major theme of the writing? What's God trying to say through this author? We want to understand the context. We don't just want to pull a verse out and make it say whatever we want it to say. We need to be careful. So we need to understand the context. Number two, we want to interpret Scripture with Scripture. And this is really important. In order for us to understand What the Bible says, the best way for us to do that is to interpret the Bible with the Bible. What we don't ever want to do is take one verse and build our life theology around it. Instead, we want to take that verse and look at the theme of it and look at all of the other verses that speak to that theme. And we want to look at the whole of Scripture, over what 40 authors wrote, over 66 books. And as we look at the whole of it, then say, all right, this is how this fits into the bigger picture. And then number three. We want to apply what we learn. We don't want to just get a heady knowledge and, no, look, I know something new I didn't know before. Rather, the Bible is not a book to be studied as much as it is a letter to us to be lived. We're supposed to be living out what it is instructing us to. So biblical interpretation, all right? So we're going to come back to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. We're going to apply what we've learned. Are you ready? So number one, we want to start with context. So let's kind of put our verse verse number 13 in context. We're just going to back up one verse to get a better understanding of the train of thought that Paul has as he's writing to the Christians at the church of Corinth in this passage. So verse number 12, it says this. It says, so if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. All right, we got that? All right, so there's a little warning here. There's some encouragement Paul's saying here. He's like, listen, if you think you're standing firm, how many of you think you're standing firm? Okay, be careful. Because uh, you don't want to fall. What do we not want to fall into? Temptation. Sin. Do you fall into testing? Not really. The word temptation is appropriately used here because it's the idea that I'm going to fall into something I shouldn't be doing. I don't want to fall into sin. So, so no temptation has overtaken you except what's common to mankind. Don't fall into sin. No temptation has overtaken you. And God is faithful. He's not going to let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Here's what's interesting. If we're going to then move to step number two here, we have some context. Let's use scripture to interpret scripture. Jesus says in Mark chapter 14, verse 38, as he's instructing his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane before he's about to be crucified, he tells them to watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. That's the same Greek word. Not fall into testing. Not fall into uh, those things. Don't, Don't fall into temptation. And he goes on to say that the spirit is willing, but our flesh, the flesh is weak. 
So we're, we're looking at context. We're looking at temptation is the best word here. We're talking about not falling into sin. We're looking at the, this idea that God is not going to be uh, allowing us to be tempted beyond what we can bear. But, but what does that mean? He's not going to let us be tempted beyond what we can bear. We need to process this for a second. Because what he's not saying is that God is in heaven and he's looking down at you. And he's calculating your independent strength. Oh, Richard Brown. Let's see how much independent strength he has. What's his bearability rating? And I'm going to bearability rating, and then I'm not going to allow more temptation to come beyond his bearability rating. Oh, but Pastor Jim is over here. He has more bearability rating. Does that mean he gets more temptation than him? Is that what we're supposed to understand when it says that God will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, that he's measuring your independent strength and saying, oh, look how strong you are. I'll make sure your strength is enough. Make sure your strength is sufficient. Is that how we're supposed to read this? No, it's not how we're supposed to read this. But we unconsciously process it that way, that we think that, oh, yeah, I can do it. I got it. I'm strong. God's not going to give me more than I can handle. Yeah. Flex. (laughs) Some of you notice nothing happened there. (laughs) Same with you. Same with you. Listen, you should know that, number one, God doesn't tempt anyone. Can we go cool with that? God doesn't tempt anyone. If we want to use more scripture to interpret scripture, James chapter 1, verse 13 through 16, it says this. It says that when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their what? Own evil desire and enticed. Oh. You mean it's not from the devil? No, it was in you. Then, after the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, gives birth to death. So so we need to recognize that God, number one, is not tempting you, but also that God is not limiting temptation to match your individual strength. Let's look again at this verse. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, Don't miss the final line here. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Question, why did God provide a way out if I could bear the temptation on my own? If I can handle it, why is he providing a way of escape? Question, why is he providing a way of escape? I don't even, the verse isn't even up there. Billy, fix the screen. There, thank you, my friend. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out. Why did he provide a way out? So that, what? You can endure it. Question, can you endure if God doesn't provide a way out? If you could endure it, why is he providing a way out? The reason he's providing a way out is because it's more than you can handle in your own independent strength. Without God's involvement in your life, without his grace, without his power, you cannot endure temptation. 
why the Bible says that we were slaves to sin. Paul talks in another place, like the thing I want to do, I don't do, and the thing I don't want to do, I do. I'm a wretched man. What is going on? Why am I a sin? Why sin my master? Why, why am I being controlled by it? But then as we shift and we say, God, I trust you with my life and I'm following you, he says, awesome, my grace is sufficient for you. My power will be made known to you. Now, Romans 6.14 says, sin shall no longer be your master because you're not under the law, but you're under grace. You're under the power of God. And with my power, God says, all things are possible. Now, I've known, a, I, I said a lot, some of you are like, that's a lot of verse, and we went all over the place, Pastor Alex, like, is this how your brain works? It is, and I'm sorry for that. Here's the bottom line. God never said that he wouldn't give you more than you can handle. It's not in the Bible. In fact, the Bible is chock full of people who had more than they could handle. Study Gideon. Study Moses. Study Esther. Study David. Study Jonah. You didn't swallow by a fish, that's more than you can handle. No, I got this. No, buddy, you don't. Nowhere in the Bible are we told that God will limit our hardships and sorrows to what we can independently bear. But here is the important thing for us to get. We are promised repeatedly through Scripture that God is present with us. He's present with us in our grief, in our oppression, in our struggle, and that he will see us through to the other side. Not because we're strong, but because he is strong. But it kind of begs the question, doesn't it? Like, if God is, like, full of love and he's so loving, like, why would he allow me to be given more than I can handle? That doesn't seem very nice. I thought we served a nice Jesus. I want to give you three reasons why God would allow us to have more than we can handle. If you're taking notes, which I think you ought to, God will allow us to go through more than we can handle so that we will, number one, depend on his presence. A lot of you guys uh, know this, but um, when life's going well, we don't think a whole lot about God. Have you noticed that? You know, like, if we're honest, when, when life's going the way you want it to, you're like, yeah, God, I know that you're still there, and I know that I kind of, like, need you, but, like, not so much right now, because life is good. Everything is working out great, and, um, and, and God, I just kind of hope that you'll keep it working out great. You don't feel an urgent need for God when, when, when things are going swell, but, oh, my goodness, when things start going bad, we change our tune. Oh, God, where are you? God, I need you. I can't make it without you. He's like, you were doing just fine in your success, but now in your distress, you need me? And some of us miss it. Do we need God in our times of distress? Yes. Do we still need God in our times of success? Oh, yeah, yeah. You never outgrow your need for God. Hmm. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 through 10. Check this out. This is Paul again. He's writing to the church at Corinth again. Another letter. He's gone through some stuff. He's been with some missionaries. They've been doing the good work of God. They're like the Blues Brothers. They're on a mission from God. They're telling people about Jesus. Here's what he says to them. He says, we think you ought to know, your brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were 
crushed and overwhelmed, notice this next part, beyond our ability to endure. In other words, we were given more than we could handle. It was a lot. We wanted to do it in our own strength, but we couldn't do it in our own strength. It wasn't working. And we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result of being given more than we could handle, of being overwhelmed, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God. Who raises the dead? And he did rescue us from the mortal danger. And he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him. And he will continue to rescue us. In the Bible, like, there's Jesus. Perfect. I always think Paul's kind of up there. Like, he's like one of the best Christian leaders. And if Paul... I'm sure that God loved. Through Paul, like, he wrote much of the scriptures that we have today. He was crushed and overwhelmed beyond his ability to endure. But the good news is that God provides a way for you to endure when you stop relying on yourself and rely only on God. Psalm 145 verse 18 says that the Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on him in truth. The issue is, is that we have to call on him. And when life is hunky-dory-peachy, you don't tend to call on God. And so sometimes God allows you to experience more than you can handle so that you recognize that you need him. It would be unkind of him to allow you to go through life thinking you can handle it on your own because you can't. And the best thing for you to do is to connect to him. James chapter 4, verse 8 says, Come close to God, and God will come close to you. I, I mentioned Jonah because like his life, like he lives this point out. If you know the story of Jonah, basically God told Jonah, hey, go and preach to the Ninevites. And then Jonah was like, yeah, no, nah, don't think so. Not going to happen. I don't like them people, and I ain't going there. And so he began to rebel against what God wanted. He began to run the opposite direction. And just like when we run the opposite direction from God, uh, his life began to spin out of control. It wasn't going according to plan. It was not good. He ends up on a boat. The guys on the boat end up throwing him off the boat. And then, wild story, giant fish swallows him. And we pick up the story in Jonah chapter 2, verse 2, uh, in which Jonah said, in my, help me out. He doesn't say in my success. <laughs> no, no, in my distress, I called to the Lord. And he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help. And you listened to my cry. If you go deep dive on this story, you find out he was in that fish for three days. He was relying on his own strength for a long time. It was a long time before he was like, I can't do this no more. And in my distress, he finally called out to God. It's amazing how much more we crave God in our lives when times are tough. In my distress, I called the Lord. In verse 7, if we fast forward a little bit, he says that when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. 
The challenge for so many of us is that when we're in the middle of a storm in life, we start to wonder about God. Like, life isn't going the way I thought it should. I wish this weren't happening. Why is this happening? If God were with me, this would not be happening. I don't understand why God is allowing this. I prayed for one thing, and I'm getting the opposite. God must not be with me. If God were good, this wouldn't be happening. If God were powerful, this wouldn't be happening. I just don't believe God is with me. Can I tell you something? Someone needs to hear this. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Never let the presence of a storm in your life, the hard, difficult times, cause you to doubt that God's still not there. Every now and then the winds of life blow and the waves will crash, but the presence of God remains because he said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. Why would God allow you to experience more than you can handle? Because sometimes we need to learn to depend on him. And when we experience more than we can handle, we're drawn into his presence to remember his goodness and to call on the name of the Lord. Sometimes God allows us to go through more than we can handle so we can depend on his presence. But number two, so that we can trust him in the process. See, there's a tension between uh, being in this difficult season Um, I've been there before. Some of you guys know I've had some health things uh, over the past few years. And so there's that moment in which you're like, my body's not working right. God can do all things. And so you pray. and You're like, God, heal me. Please heal me. God, I'll do anything for you. You start bargaining with God, right? I'll do, and you fill in the blank with whatever wild thing that you're willing to do. It was kind of like when I was a teenager. This is like growing up in church problems. Uh, There's like that cute girl when you're in junior high. And you're like, God, is this the one? You guys ever been there? And so then you're like playing basketball, and you're like, God, if I hit this next shot, that's going to be a sign from you that that's the one. And so you fire that shot, and you just brick it. And you're like, God, let's go two for three, because I really think that's probably still you. That's probably me getting in the way. I want your power and strength. So sometimes we start bargaining with God. Like we start having those moments in which we're like, God, are you here? Where are you at? What's going on? And, and, and when you're in the middle of that struggle, there's that moment that you pray, but there's that time from the time that you prayed to the time that your miracle may or may not happen. And in that in-between time, that is full of tension. I'm waiting. God, why am I struggling with this? He doesn't just fix it. He doesn't like come wave a magical wand. He's not like ippity boppity boo. I'll fix you. That's not God. He sends his Holy Spirit to walk with us through this and we develop a relationship with him as we go through it. He's not coming here just to fix your problems so that you can continue on your merry way and your own merry power. He's saying, hey, how about you like lean into me and we'll get to know each other really well through this. I always wondered in the Bible, why did like after Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt, you know, that was the whole like go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And and they did. And so they go through the Red Sea, crazy stuff. And then they're going to go to the promised land. God's going to give them the promised land. They've been delivered, but they've not gotten to where they're supposed to go that, that God leads them through the wilderness. That's not the shortest route to get to the promised land. But God, for whatever reason, in his wisdom, thought, you know what? We're going to go through the wilderness. And I like to think that this was his attempt at having like a honeymoon with those people. 
They've been in captivity. Now let them get to know me before I pay them off with the promised land, the beautiful blessings I have. How about they rely on me? If I just take them straight to the land, they're going to forget about me. But if we can go together and walk in the process of getting to where I'm leading them, they will know me and love me, and I will get to know them and love them. We need to learn to trust God in the process when life still looks dark. I'm still depressed. I'm still down. The financial burden is still there. I don't know how it's going to happen. In that moment, God wants you to trust him. It's called faith. I don't see how it's going to work. Yeah, is, is living not by sight, but by faith. Faith, the opposite of faith is living by sight, right? So if I'm going to live by faith, I have to live by what I can't see. I don't know how this is going to work, God, but I know that you're big, you're powerful, you can do all things, so God, I'm going to trust you. And God, I know tomorrow I'm going to forget that I prayed this prayer and I'm going to be stressed about it again, but God, remind me that I'm supposed to trust you. That's the process. It's not clean, it's messy. But in the process, we get to know God, love God, follow God, and we have a confidence moving forward. John the Baptist probably got this right when he said in John chapter 3, verse 30, that he, Jesus, must increase, that he must become greater and greater. And John says, I must become less and less. I must decrease. If we want the life that God has, it's a continual process of him being made greater, of us magnifying him in our life and us becoming less. And here's the third reason why God might allow you to go through more than you can handle. Number one, it was to depend on his presence. Number two, is to trust him in the process. But number three, it's so that you can experience his power, which is really cool. This is like the faith-building stuff when you're like, I don't know how God did it, but by George, God did it. It wasn't by my power. There's no reason this should have worked out. But wow, God is real. God wants you to experience super natural power. And the only way we experience his supernatural power is when we stop trying to do it in our own power. If you're like me, you have a tendency to rely on your own strength. I can do it. I'm like Mr. DIY. Like, yeah, I'll get it done. Don't worry. I'm hearing like the Home Depot theme song, like, we'll get it done, you know. No big deal. I can get it done. Yeah, but this is bigger than you. No, no. Just give me a try. I'll get it done. And I tend to rely on my own strength. And I try. And you know what? If I fail, you know what I think to myself? I just probably wasn't disciplined enough. I probably just wasn't focused enough. I'll try, try again. I'll be more focused. Oh, I probably failed today because I didn't read my Bible this morning. I'll fix that and I'll get it done tomorrow. Oh, I read my Bible. Oh, I didn't pray like I should have. I must spend more time praying. I'm going to get this done. And I think I can always get it done in my own power. And I use God as like this little help me out. Like, hey, give me what I need. Hey, God, uh, help me have the power to do it in my own strength. And God's like, I'm not going to give you the power to do it in your own strength because when you do it in your own strength, all you're going to do is glorify yourself and you're going to big head and you're going to think that you're a big deal and you can handle the world. He's like, I'm not going to do that because that's not good for you. I love you too much to do that, you little egocentric Home Depot working kid. Okay. So instead, God wants me to come to the end of myself and to look to him. And it's in my weakness that his strength is made strong. It's crazy that for some of us, we never realize that God's all we need until God's all we have. 
And man, isn't it so sad that sometimes God has to bring us to the end of ourselves where we can't do nothing. I kept trying. I, I, I was at the end of myself, and it was at the end of myself that I found him. God would much rather have you turn to him earlier in the process. But nonetheless, he wants your heart because him having your heart is the best thing for you. Because he didn't create you to power through it yourself. He created you to need him and to need his power. And so Jesus says in Matthew 11, he says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you tired of trying to do it on your own? Are, are, are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Oh, I want that. I want that. God will never give you more than you can handle. No. God will give you more than you can handle but he'll never give you more than he can handle. God will give his people trials, but he will sustain them and bring them through to everlasting glory. Hmm. So what about you? Where are you at? Are you one of those people who are like, yeah, I'm in the middle of a storm right now, or I'm just coming out of one, or... <laughs> I see one a-brewing. <laughs> it's, it's coming around the bend. Jesus said we're going to experience these difficult times, and I think sometimes he uses whatever we're going through to turn our attention and focus back to him. So can I ask you, do you think that God's maybe trying to use your circumstances, what you're going through, to cause you to lean into who he is? If he is, will you respond to it? Will you say, all right. Will you, in your distress, Cry out to God and say, God, I need you. It's just a simple prayer. God, I need you. I can't do this on my own. And I believe that when you, when you come to the end of yourself and you say, God, I need you, I think the cool thing is that God meets you right there. And you can have a divine encounter with your creator. You'll experience his love. You'll experience a joy that doesn't make sense in your circumstances. You'll have a peace that surpasses understanding. And some of you have heard these types of messages. You're like, I want that, but I've still never experienced it. Maybe it's because you just never fully let go of control. You got to let go of trying to do it yourself. And you got to jump in. And you got to be all in. Does that mean I got to be at church every time the doors are open? It's a good place to start. You mean I should start reading my Bible? Yeah. You mean I need to talk to God every day? Yeah, He wants to walk with you through life. Oh. I've never done all that. Hey, it's a good place to start. But it begins with just a conversation in which you say, God, I give you my life. I'm not going to hold on to it anymore. I'm not going to control it. God, I give you my life. It's the first conversation that leads to so many more. But if you've never started there and said, God, I give you my life, today could be your moment of transformation your moment of going from life and darkness to life and light. It can be your moment of doing life in your own power to being empowered by God's Holy Spirit. So if you would, would you bow your heads with me? God, I thank you 
for this message. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that you love us, that you care about us. And God, I ask that the words that were spoken today would help us to recognize our true condition, that we can't do it on our own, but also, God, that we would recognize how loving and kind you are, that you would choose to forgive us for doing life our own way, and that you would promise to give us new life and embody us, to, to give us the power and the resources to go through life and, and to be able to do it in a way that you would want. And so, God, as we're here in this moment, if there's anyone here that's like, you know what, I want to give my life to you, Jesus, would they just pray this? God, I give you my life. And Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would meet them in this moment. For those that maybe have prayed that prayer, but they know that they've kind of taken their life back in their own power, would they pray it again? Just, God, I give you my life. Lord, I ask that we might be a humble people who rely on you, and God, that we would just allow you to direct the path ahead of us, that we wouldn't try to figure it all out, but that we would just do the next right thing. God, I give you my life. Thank you for listening to this message. For more information, please visit newlifekc.com.